Yeah, Brother Hill says, I'm just going to thank him and praise him for letting me be a beggar. A beggar saved by grace. Okay, we didn't get a chance to read a Gatsby tonight, did we? Uh, this is a song that we usually sing, so we're just going to read the words number 763. I know you folks all out there in the uh, CD family don't all have a Gatsby, but you recognize this song. It's by Watts. And it starts out, Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Thy body slain, sweet Jesus, thine, and bathed in its own blood, while all exposed to wrath divine, the glorious sufferer stood. Was it for crimes that I had done, he groaned upon the tree? Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. Well might the sun in darkness hide and shut his glories in, when God the mighty maker died for man the creature's sin. Thus might I hide my blushing face while his dear cross appears, dissolve my heart in thankfulness, and melt my eyes in tears. <laughs> That is so good. Well, tonight we're just going to talk about the eternity of Christ. I know we're approaching the Christmas season, and uh, the idea of Christ being a baby and uh, being born in Bethlehem kind of appeals to some people. But these same people would not have any clue about the eternity of Christ and uh, the value of the scriptures in letting us know, letting us learn about him. In John 5.39, Lord says, search the scriptures. So we'll go into the Old Testament and look at a, um, well, we'll look at a few verses, but we'll start with Micah 5 and verse 2. Micah 5 and how do you find Micah well I always go um, Hosea uh, Jonah Micah so if you can find Jonah Micah's right after it and it's Micah 5 2 it's on page 1363 imagine now, this is good 700 years before the Lord is born. Now, it's easy to say 700. But this country that we live in is not even 700 years old. It's only a few hundred years old. But at least 700 years is going to tell you exactly where he's going to be born. What do you think the chances of anybody else in the world knowing where they were going to be born 700 years before. <laughs> that just shows you the, the greatness, the majestic, the, uh, the Word of God, the Bible being God's Word, and only He could do anything like that is to predict exactly where Christ was going to be born. 
So let's read it, uh, Micah 5, 2. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. From everlasting, yes. Now, some folks might say, well, what's that got to do with eternity, that the word is everlasting? Well, I want to show you in the Bible where everlasting and eternal mean the same thing. So we've got to turn to John 3, verse 15 and 16. John 3, 15 and 16. Now here's a whole verse that's going to be incorporated in the next verse, the second part. But here's, here's a whole verse, 15 that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 16, we know that one real good, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Now here's where verse 15 is brought down into verse 16. Word for word, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What did verse 15 say? But have eternal life. Do you mean there's a time change between the two verses? No, not at all. They mean exactly the same thing. So uh, to get some of the history of our Lord uh, being eternal, let's go to Proverbs, the 8th chapter. The eighth chapter of Proverbs. And it's always been a very interesting chapter. First of all, we'll read verses 22 through 36. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works of old. What's his works of old? It has to be creation. I don't know what was the first thing created, possibly uh, time, or possibly the angels. Um, I'm really not sure what the very first thing was, but uh, that's called a beginning. Verse 23, I was set up from what? Eternity, from everlasting, from the beginning or ever the earth, uh, the earth was. So once again, saying before anything was created, he was with God. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world. Highest part of the dust of the world. That's just got to be mountains, huh? But it mentions mountains in verse 25. Verse 27, when he prepared the heavens, I was there. Well, that's probably before the earth was ever created. When he set a compass 
upon the face of the depth. When he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep. See, all of these things are mysterious to us. They're, they're scientific, and I'm sure they could be uh, found out, but only through the Word of God, because that's where our information is. When he gave to the sea his decree that the water should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth. Now, you and I know that uh, there are seashores all around the world, and uh, they hold the oceans in their own place, and the seashores are made up of sand. Where did the sand come from? Oh, who knows? Sand is supposed to be beaten rock, but uh, they're placed in such strategic positions that they hold the water because the Lord has commanded the beaches to hold the water off. Let me read verse 29 again. When he gave to the sea his decree that the water should not pass his commandment, they can flood during a hurricane or a storm or an unusual setting, but they always go back. Verse 30, Then I was by him as one brought up with him, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the habitable part of his earth, and my delights were with the sons of men. That's as much as we'll read for that right now. Let's bow our heads. Father, we ask thy blessing upon the reading of thy word and then trying to expound thy word. Uh, it's mysterious. It's mysterious because it's glorious. It's mysterious because it's the handiwork of our God, things that are so beyond the imagination before the earth was ever brought into existence. How the waters of the oceans are kept intact by sand. Uh, we just marvel and we want to praise you and thank you for being our God. We pray in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. So uh, let's go back to verse 22 just for a moment. What's verse 22 say? The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works of old. Let's look at John 10, verse 30. John 10 and verse 30. I and my Father are one. Verse 38. But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works, that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. What scripture were we looking at? Verse 22, the Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way. Also go to John 1, John 1 and verse 1. This is so clear. In the beginning was the word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. When you talk about with 
somebody, there's two different persons it's talking about. Not one person being one God, but our God is three persons being one God. And that'll always be mysterious. It's a doctrine and it's a fact that we believe by faith. God gives us that faith. It's a gift. Uh, verse 23 is just like uh, we just read in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. Verse 23 says, I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning, from eternity, from the beginning. This beginning's got to be creation or ever the earth was. Verses 24 through 27 when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, none. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the earth. Before creation, Christ was wisdom to create. You see, this chapter 8 in Proverbs is about wisdom. Uh, the very first verse, doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her ver her voice. Uh, here the Lord Jesus Christ is uh, speaking in this chapter about God's wisdom. In verse 12 it says, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and find out knowledge of witty inventions. All right. Now, verses 28 and 29, earth or sea or air, are at his command. And that's what we've been talking about. Uh, when our Lord describes a person being quickened or describes a new birth, he uses that expression of air, wind. Our forecasters can tell you within just a few days of where the wind is going to come from or where it's headed to. But they could not go back and track it a week before because they would not know where it comes from. God even creates the wind. He controls every cloud I was reading that in our daily readings in the Bible uh, getting way back in the uh, the Psalms uh, let me see uh, let me see just a moment um Because I just had read that he created uh, created the wind too. And I should have had that underlined in here, but I don't see it. Hmm. Okay. Uh, yes. Okay, Psalm 146, 
verse 4. Well, verse three. Let's read the whole psalm. It's short. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth. In the very day his thoughts perish, as when a person dies. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his hope, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever, which executeth judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry. The Lord looseth the prisoners. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord preserveth the strangers. He relieveth the fatherless and widow. But the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. The Lord shall reign forever, even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. Now, when you get to Psalm 147, we mentioned that this morning in our message, how wonderful <laughs> that the possibility that the number that the Lord gives eternal life to is the same as the number of the stars. Read verse 3. He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. Great is our Lord, and of great power. His understanding is infinite. Look at the little line underneath it explaining infinite. It means without limits. His understanding goes back into eternity about everything and everybody. He lifteth up the meek, he casteth the wicked down to the ground. Oh, okay, verse 8. This is interesting. Who covereth the heaven with clouds, who prepareth rain for the earth, who maketh grass to grow upon the mountains. Verse 11. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, and those that hope in his mercy. You see, that's a wonderful promise. It's something to grab a hold of. Verse 17, He casteth forth his ice like morsels. Who can stand before his coal? Of course, we don't live where there's snow and ice, but there are millions of people that do. All right, verse 18. Now look at this. He sendeth out his word and melteth them. He causeth his wind to blow and the waters flow. He causeth his wind to blow. Imagine that. No matter where in the world the wind blows, God knows all about it. Sometimes we have a real windy day. It'll blow all day long. And in other days, there won't be hardly a breath, hardly a movement. And yet, it's God causing it. Just really amazing things. 
Praise him, ye heavens above, and ye waters that be above the heavens. It's a little bit of information we don't know too much about. Water above the heavens. You know, with all of our so-called space exploration, even sending out our so-called little rocket ships or whatever we want to call them, and are headed for Mars and headed out into space, nobody... Or no, no one has ever mentioned anything about water. And yet, this water is above the heavens. So has anybody even mentioned being into the heavens? No, they don't. So uh, it'll be interesting. Verse 8, fire and hail, snow and vapors, stormy wind, fulfilling his word. How about that? Oh, verse 13, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is excellent, and his glory is above the earth and heaven. Wow. Okay. Well, let's get back to our message. We kind of jumped off of it. In uh, uh, um, Proverbs 8, verse 31, Rejoicing in the habitable part of his earth, and my delights were with the sons of men. Now, it's delight in man, not that man was going to do or be anything for Christ, but delighted that he was going to redeem the helpless, hopeless, sinful, rebellious bride that the Father gave him as his brethren and children. Look at Hebrews 12.2. Hebrews 12.2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you think you're ever going to hear that during the Christmas season on anybody's program or anywhere? Uh, talk about his birth, but this is the whole reason for him to come. Endured the cross. Terrible, awful torture and suffering. And he did that for us as individuals and then as for the whole church. Hebrews 2, verse 11 and 13. Hebrews 2, 11 and 13. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Kind of interesting. Verse 13. And again I'll put my trust in him, and again behold, I and the children which God hath given me. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, that's us, he also himself likewise took part of the same, what, flesh and blood, 
that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. The Lord had to give his blood and his life in order to be our Redeemer. He knew it, and the only way that could happen for him to do that is to take on a body like ours. Wow. The Father's love to us sinners gave his only begotten Son to die for him to become one of us. And uh, he gave his life and his blood to redeem us. Hebrews 9 and verse 12. Hebrews 9 and 12. Nevertheless, no, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Can you imagine? Eternal. Not for a hundred years or a thousand or a million years or two million. Eternal life. Why doesn't that soak into people? Because they don't have faith. God gives us faith to believe his word. Hearing Christ's words is very, very important. John 6.63 John 6.63 It is the Spirit that quickeneth. We understand that. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But look at the next very line. But there are some of you that believe not. Why? That's the nature of a natural person. Unless God does a work in their heart, they will not believe. How we should thank and praise the Lord continually for giving us faith to believe. Believe his word. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in heaven. Believe in hell. Believe in Judgment Day, believe in the Day of Resurrection, believe the promises. We got so much to believe, and God gives us the faith to believe it. Now, there is a danger of rejecting Christ. If we read John 5.39, back up one page. The Lord is giving us some information concerning eternal life. He says, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. So when we're searching the scriptures, we should be looking for Christ. And when we find Christ, we find eternal life. But verse 40 says, Even though I tell you, Search the scriptures and find me in there. You'll have eternal life. Just give it a try. No, you will not come to me that you might have life. Wow, is that awful. The death of Christ was determined from eternity. John ten seventeen. Therefore doth my Father love me, 
because I lay down my life that I might take it again. Something that was planned back in eternity. So that's the reason he came, that he would lay down his life. And a father loves him for it because that gives redemption, that gives eternal life to those the father loved back in eternity and gave to his son. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. Look at Acts 2, verse 23. Acts 2.23 Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God everything worked out according to plan. This was the blueprint of God. Exactly the way it worked out Him being taken by wicked hands have crucified and slain the Son of God. But it was God's blueprint. God knew all about it from eternity. Acts 4, verse 28. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And then there's Revelation 13 and verse 8. Revelation 13, verse 8, is going to show you that it was God's plan before the world was even created that our Lord would be the acceptable sacrifice, the Lamb slain. All that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, the Antichrist, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. The foundation of the world where all the planning was before the world was ever created. Uh, and God drew out the plan for redemption for mankind. In fact, he drew out a plan for the whole existence of time. Time is going to exist only for 7,000 years. There's no millions of years back there, cavemen are dragging women around by the hair and all that kind of thing. Time is limited to 7,000 complete years. Then we go out into eternity again. Uh, it's just going to be interesting because God's people are going to be there. All right. There's one appointment that we all must keep. Hebrews 9 and verse 27. Hebrews 9.27 An appointment? Well, let's read it. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Well, I'm looking at two appointments then, huh? They're going to die. There's one. They're going to come to judgment. There's two. And no one can escape apart from coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 2 and verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? There is no escape. <clears throat> we ought to just thank the Lord over and over and over for giving us grace, having mercy upon us, 
opening our understanding and giving us a love of the truth, the whole truth about the depravity of our natures, the wickedness of our hearts, all of that is truth. And we bring the truth to the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ and cry unto him for mercy. That is grace upon grace. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you tonight for thy goodness and mercy to us, for the freedom we have to preach, for even our place of worship and our people that want to hear. We thank you for those out here tonight and pray thy blessing upon their hearts and lives. We should be learning each time we meet together, learn a little bit more about our Lord. And uh, we've talked tonight about the eternity of our Lord Jesus, the Son given, leaving the glories and splendor of heaven to come to this earth to suffer, bleed, and die. Can we ever thank thee enough? Just let us try. We pray for those that are sick, can't be with us, some that didn't come today at all. We're even talking about little Hazel, a little Filipino girl. We ask you to track her down and bring her back. Uh, look at Connie with her pain, Lord help. And uh, we just going to continue to look for thee to come. It's not just that we want a way out. We want to be with thee. We pray this all in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.